Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Distorted by Pastor Sean Wood. Father, we, we thank you. As we approach this season, we remember that you gave us your son. We remember the time in history when the king took off his robes and took off his crown and came to be like us, fully God and fully man. What a privilege for us. And so this morning, my prayer is that as we unpack your word, that you would open our eyes and open our hearts to see more of the king we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. And this morning, uh, if you've got your Bibles, uh, we're going to begin in Malachi chapter 3, uh, Malachi chapter 3 for our liberal theologians, uh, but we're going to land the plane in uh, Luke chapter 18 as we uh, finish this morning. Uh, many know that the uh, first job I had was fixing car radiators, and I can remember uh, after a few years, a gentleman uh, was doing up a car from the ground up, he completely rebuilt this car, a project car, had completely rebuilt the motor and everything, and we, of course, did the, the radiator, and it was uh, an old Valiant with a, a 245 Hemi in it, John, you'd be pleased to know, good old motors, uh, back in the days when you could see the motor and actually fit your hands inside the engine compartment. Uh, but after we'd uh, done everything and, and the car was running, he comes in a couple of weeks later and he says, everything's wrong. And I said, okay, but what's wrong with the car? <laughs> uh, he says, uh, everything's been done, but uh, the car is running rough and, and it's getting warm and it's got to be something you've done. Of course it does. But he was right. There was a lot going on with the car. Everything had been completely and utterly rebuilt. All the componentry was there. Everything was right. Uh, nothing. We checked and rechecked the radiator that we put in, but the car was still getting warm and it was running rough and we couldn't find any reason. And as I'm pulling my hair out, which is why I shave my hair nowadays, <laughs> uh, as I was pulling my hair out, a mechanic came out the driveway and I said, listen, can you just have a listen to this car? And he said, give it a couple of revs for me. I gave it a couple of revs. And he said, bring it around the workshop. He says, I know what's wrong with it. So I take it around the workshop. In five minutes, he'd fixed it. The timing was massively out. And I would never have thought that something so simple would have caused the car to run rough, would have caused everything to overheat. But the timing was only out. Of course, it was something we did right, but of course it wasn't. And... That one thing had completely and utterly distorted everything. It was running rough. It sounded horrible. But in a matter of minutes, when we fixed the underlying problem, everything was fixed. The man came back to pick up his car. He asked me, how did you fix it? And I said, if I told you that, then I'd have to kill you. <laughs> I didn't have the heart to tell him that it was the timing. We just said we'd fixed it. And you know, Malachi, speaking to the people of Israel, says everything seems to be wrong, but there's one underlying cause. And so Malachi, as we've been journeying through the book of Malachi, and he's been talking to the people of Israel, he says, you know what? We can see it in the worship. 
you know, just like that car, there was a lot that was going wrong. Yes, it was overheating. Yes, it was running rough. Malachi says, you know what? We can see that there's problems in your worship. We can see there's problems in how you treat each other. There's problems in how you view God. There's problems in how you, in your commitments and in your covenants. It's got one underlying problem. And when, when we get back into alignment, uh, uh, anybody ever had the wheels in their car not aligned and everything's going right? You know something's not right because everything's out of alignment. But when you get back into alignment, everything seems to fall back into place. That's the message of Malachi to the people of Israel. But what a message to us today. What a message today when we find ourselves not only in church life, but also outside of these walls. The number one problem is that everybody's out of alignment and they're trying to fix it for themselves. As we, as we come to Malachi chapter 3, as we've been journeying through, Malachi has been talking about worship. Malachi has been talking about marriage and divorce. And today, Malachi is going to be talking about money, but none of those things are the issue. Today, uh, as I just press the pause button, everybody knows Malachi chapter 3 is the tithing chapter, but it's got nothing to do with tithing, actually. Uh, Malachi is only using that as an example of what's going on internally. It's a a surface issue that's pointing to a deeper problem inside of their hearts. And and so I'm not taking up a special offering today. You'd be pleased to know where we're we're not going to put our hands in your pockets. Thank you, everybody that's happy with that. But can I press the pause button? How you treat money, your attitude towards money, says a lot about your attitude towards God. And that's got nothing to do with how much is in your bank account today. That's got nothing to do with how much is in your superannuation today. It's got everything to do with your attitude towards money. So there's the money discussion on the table and back off the table. Let's talk about the real issue that's going on here. Israel are out of alignment with God. And as we come into the festive season, we can be in danger of over-sentimentalising Jesus. And can we take enough time in this season? Can we slow down enough? Yes, uh, there's going to, everybody's going on holidays. Yes, we're going to be with family. Yes, we're going to have a barbecue. We're going to do all those wonderful things. And yes, we remember the time when there was a baby in the manger. But can you please remember? Can we slow down long enough to remember that baby was the king of the universe? Uh, John spent three and a half years with that man called Jesus. John himself wasn't much more than a baby. 16 years of age when Jesus called him to be a disciple. He spends three and a half years with Jesus. But when he sees the revelation of Jesus Christ, that's what the revelation is. It's one revelation that John sees unfolded before him. He sees a rider on a white horse tattooed down his leg is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That is the baby in the manger. He is the king. And as I said last week, that king did not come to take anything away from us. He came to give us everything. As we remember Christmas, we remember the time that the God of the universe gave us his son to bring us back into alignment and to remove the distortion. 
It's really important for where we're going in Malachi because as we start in verse 6, it says, I, the Lord, do not change. That's great news this morning. That's great news to Israel and it's great news to us. It's great news to this world. God does not change. What that means is if there is distance between you and God, if you're out of orbit, you ever felt like the planets in your solar system? Because we're all a universe, right? Let's admit it. We all have our own universe. But you ever felt like the planets are all out of the... The problem is they're out of alignment. But God hasn't moved. God is not the one that's moved, but Israel is saying God's abandoned us. God's abandoned his promises. God has left us. What God wants Israel to know and what he wants us to know is I don't change and I don't move. That is tremendously good news this morning. It's tremendously good news because no matter what you think you've done in the past or what you may have done even recently, nothing you do changes God's love for you, God's mercy for you or God's grace. Which is great news, great news for Israel. Because God will point to them and he says that they are children of Jacob, not children of Abraham. I wonder why he would say that. Because he's pointing to the deceiver. And he will say to Israel, you have always wandered, you have always drifted, but I don't change. We live in a world today where everything changes. People change. But God never changes. That's tremendously good news this morning. Do you know that sin does not change God? Changes us. Changes our relationship with God. It doesn't change God. Let me give you an example. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3. Let's go back to the fall. Let's go back to when sin entered our world and we know what the relationship was like with Adam and Eve, right? We know the kind of relationship they had with God before they sinned and so uh, they used to walk with God in the cool of the day. Can't have been Queensland. (laughs) Not in the summertime. But they walked with God in the cool of the day in the garden, which must have been somewhere very close to Tasmania, Mrs Keane. But then something happens. We know that sin enters our world. A couple of things to note as we journey through that. You can go back and read Genesis chapter 3 for yourselves. A couple of things to note. Uh, Whenever, whenever we as the children of God, any society, any culture, any whenever you stray from God's truth, sin and often destruction is inevitable. That was the first move. The first move was Eve allowing the enemy to say, did God actually say? The minute you question God's truth, the minute you step away from God's truth, sin is inevitable. But we know what happens, right? We know that sin enters our world, but God still comes down in the cool of the day. Nothing has changed. God has not changed. But this time when he comes down, he can't find Adam. He can't find Eve. Adam, he says, where are you? Adam says three things. First, he says, I was afraid. Then he says, I was naked. And then I hid. First question, why are you afraid? 
Second question, who told you you were naked? The things have changed. Uh, we're all naked before the eyes of the Lord, but friends, please, you must come to church dressed. <laughs> the, the last one is you hid, but why are you hiding? See, when God asked Adam, where are you? It wasn't like he lost Adam for a second. It's where to put that bloke. He wanted Adam to know where he was. God hadn't changed, but we had changed. God hadn't changed, but man had changed. The relationship had changed. And, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Adam and Eve are fully aware that they are completely and utterly naked. They are ashamed. And that's what sin does, right? It brings in shame. It brings in guilt. And they try to remove it by sowing fig leaves. We live today, uh, first of all, we live in a culture that is sowing fig leaves to cover up their shame and their nakedness. There is something on the inside that they can't fix. So we're going to keep sowing fig leaves. It might look like alternative lifestyles. It might look like all of the isms that people worship are, uh, are scientism and atheism and all those sorts of things. The wonderful thing is that science just increasingly points to the reality of God. I was recently listening to one of the most, uh, one of the, one of credited to be one of the smartest astrophysicists on the planet. And he says, there's two questions we can't answer, but we really want the answer to. First question is, before the Big Bang, what? Wrong question. Who? We have that answer. The other question is, he says, when we look at the human brain, we can see what it's made up of, but... We can't understand it. What is the human brain? Again, we have the answer, right? Amen. We live in a culture today that is sowing fig leaves to try and cover up stuff on the inside. It happens in church circles. We try to sow our own fig leaves. It might look like religion. It might look like I'm going to earn my way and remove You can't do it. But right back at the garden, we see Jesus. Right back at the garden, we see the king. Right back at the garden, God takes an animal and blood is shed to cover them. God had not changed. God does not change. People change. Culture changes. Anybody who's been alive for a couple of decades, have a look how culture has changed in 10 years. Have a look at how culture has changed in 20 years. Have a look at what we tolerate today that we didn't tolerate 20 years ago. Have a look how far we have drifted, how far everything changes, but God never changes. There may be unrest in the Middle East, yes. There may be wars in the Ukraine, yes. There may be political uncertainty across the globe, yes. But God doesn't change. He's still all-powerful, sovereign, almighty. The king is still seated upon the throne. We don't have to worry. He does not change. He still loves you and wants you today. You might say, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I said. You don't know how I've treated other people. You don't know how I've walked away from God. God still wants you. God still loves you. That's the message to Israel from Malachi to the message today. As we approach Christmas, the message that Jesus has is what? God wants you. And I want to take away this sin. I want to take away... You don't have to hide in the bushes anymore. Because I, the Lord, do not change. I want to press the pause button. Interestingly enough, when we're speaking about people and things that change, interestingly enough, 
Nowhere in Scripture are we urged or commanded to trust anybody. Wait a minute. Before you put a position vacant on the website, (laughs) wait a minute. Scripture urges us to place all of our trust and all of our confidence in God alone. Should you trust your husband or your wife? Yes, intimacy and trust are two things that grow together over time. There's nothing wrong with that. But what God does is he urges us to place all of our trust and confidence in him. Why? Because he doesn't change. And then he flips the coin and says, live trustworthily. Live like somebody who doesn't change, which is a great challenge for all of us. The great challenge is to live lives that are trustworthy, unchangeable. Your emotions don't change you. The culture around you doesn't change you, just like God doesn't change. For I, the Lord, do not change. Verse 6, therefore you, O children of Jacob, you're not consumed. You're not consumed because I don't change. You're not consumed because I love you and my faithfulness to you remains. From the days of your fathers, you are the ones that have turned aside. Can you hear the language here? You turned aside. God has not abandoned you. God has not moved. You are the one that has turned aside from my statutes and you have not kept them. Here's the hallmark catch cry of the entire book of Malachi. Return to me and I will return to you. Malachi is calling Israel, return to me. And that word return means to repent. Return to me. But have a listen to the rhetorical answer that Malachi gives here. Uh, He says, the Lord of hosts, but you say, how shall we return? They're not looking for information. He's highlighting the fact they don't think they've moved. They don't think there's any problem. They don't think that there's any kind of problem inside of them or everything's going through the motions. The componentry's all there. Just like that engine, the componentry may all be there, but everything's out of alignment. Malachi says you've got to bring yourself back into alignment. You've got to repent, turn away from your sins. You know, at Christmas time we remember the baby in the manger and it's all nice and cute and cuddly, but Jesus came with the same message, to repent. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God, yet you are robbing me? And now Malachi goes on to talk about tithing and money. You're holding it back. You can see in the way that you bring your gifts and offerings that God has no priority and no place in your life or in your heart. You have drifted away. How shall we return? They couldn't see that they were out of alignment. You know, I was thinking about this and there was a guy in the Gospels that was exactly the same as Israel. He thought he was in alignment. Is it possible to encounter Christ and leave disappointed? The answer is yes. 
I want to take you on a journey this morning, very briefly, with a man that thought he had everything in alignment, and he comes to Jesus and soon realizes that just like Israel, he is as out of line as everybody else. Uh, Luke chapter 18, you can either follow me or read this later on. A verse 18 of chapter 18 is the account of the rich young ruler. And here was a man, this is not a parable by the way, we find the account of the rich young ruler in all of the synoptic gospels. And the rich young ruler, we know, what do we know about this man? We obviously know that he was rich and very wealthy and he had great social affluence. He would have been a leader of a local synagogue, which means when he walks down the street, everybody wants to speak to this guy. Everybody wants this guy's attention. Everybody's giving him free food at the markets. Well, at least the kale anyway. They give it. They're given the kale, still give kale away, by the way. Uh, we don't charge anybody for kale. We just pray for you after you've taken it. <laughs> you know what? This guy, in many ways, maybe he's like us. M- maybe, in many ways, we can fall into some of the similar traps that this guy found himself in. Have a listen. And a ruler comes to Jesus, verse 18, and he asked him, Good teacher. That's an interesting phrase. Jesus is going to challenge him on it in a moment, but have a listen to what he says. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Good teacher, what must I do? I have some really good news for everybody this morning as we approach. You can sum the gospel up. I was not good at mathematics and I was not good at spelling. That's why uh, religion is spelt D-O and Christianity is spelt D-O-N-E. Christ has done it all. You don't have to do it. You don't have to take away your guilt and your shame because Jesus will take that away for you. You don't have to resolve your sins. You don't have to pay for your sins because the king of the universe has done it. You don't have to do anything. You just have to receive what the king has done. What must I do? But how often could we fall into that category? How often are we looking for the next thing? Maybe I just need, maybe if I go to life groups as well as, maybe if I read more of the Bible, maybe whatever it is that I do, I can earn, you can't earn more of God's love or favour. But you can receive more. This guy's got a blockage. Israel in Malachi's time, they had a blockage. Let's see if we can find it as we go along. And Jesus says to him, here we are again. Whenever God asks you a question, it's not because he's looking for information. Uh, Jesus says to him, why do you call me good? What a great question. Because the word good that the rich young ruler uses and the word good that Jesus uses is the kind of goodness that is only attributed to divinity or to God. So here's the question that Jesus is asking the rich young ruler. If you're calling me good and you're attributing divinity and God to me, we need to have a completely different conversation. I'm not just a teacher. I'm not merely just a prophet. And he is far more than a... Nobody was expecting a baby, by the way. All of the religious leaders were looking for some guy to ride into Jerusalem on a horse. He will. It'll look a little bit different. Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You've got everything in alignment, right? You know the commandments. You know what you've got to do. What must I do to get closer to God? Ever notice how there's always a cause and effect in Scripture? Notice that? Ask, 
and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Draw near to me, says God, and I will draw near to you. Cause and effect. Return to me and I will return to you. We have a responsibility to move back towards God. You know the commandments. You're in alignment, right? You've got everything sorted out in your life. Everything's going hunky-dory, but turns out maybe not. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And every one of those commandments is to do with his horizontal relationships and not the other five which are to do with our vertical relationship. This guy thinks he's in alignment. Everybody likes me. I'm well respected. This guy's got plenty of friends on Facebook. His Instagram account's got plenty of followers. Everybody's watching this guy on TikTok. He said, all these I've kept from my youth, but you've still got a problem, right? Something's still missing, right? You've kept all the commandments that since your youth, but something's out of alignment. What might this sound like today? I go to church. I give money. I pray. I send my kids to a Christian school. I don't vote for the Greens. It's a sermon for another day, and he said, all these I've kept from my youth, maybe we would list off the same list, right? We're good at at writing lists. Hey, God, I've got everything in check. The message of Christmas isn't isn't a call to come to church. You should come to church. You should gather. We should worship corporately together. That's how Jesus has designed his community. But when Jesus came, it wasn't a call to come to church. It was a call to come to God. And the whole cause and effect thing, the the parable of the prodigal son teaches us that the minute we make a step to turn towards God, he sees us and runs towards us. Remember when the prodigal son, the the father was looking for him and while he was still a long way off, the father runs to him. He's waiting for you to make a decision and a change in your heart. Let's, Let's see if we can find the blockage for this young man. All these I've kept from my youth, but something is still blocking. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus heard this and he said, one thing you still lack, which is interesting because now Jesus is going to ask him to go and sell everything. One thing you still lack, sell all that you have. I, I, I love this. Notice Jesus doesn't say, sell all you have and give me the proceeds. Waste of time. Judas had his hand in the bag anyway. We find that out in the Gospel of John. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor. And I love that. Why? You should give because it's an act of worship. I needed to frame that. But Jesus doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. And Jesus knows if I can get your time, if I can get all these other things will come into alignment when you align your heart towards me. You're out of alignment. Why? Go and sell all that you have, distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Here's the greatest invitation in the universe. And come, follow me. 
if what you heard this morning was, I need to go home and sell my car and mortgage the house, just wait <laughs> before you go and do that. Uh, what the call to the rich young ruler is, and it's the same call to us, and it's the same call that Malachi is making to Israel, is this. There is a blockage in your heart that God can't get through, and you need to, un- you need to do whatever you have to do to get that blockage out. What Jesus is saying to the rich young ruler is, this isn't about what you possess. This is about everything possessing you. And I can't get in because there's no room in your heart because all of these things. And have a listen to the response. But when he heard these things, he became very sad. For he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said how difficult it is. Uh, we've got to read this to the end, this part. How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God, for it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. I've never seen a camel go through the eye of a needle. Then for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God, and he goes on to say, what is impossible with man is possible with God. This guy's got a problem. This guy's got a blockage. This guy leaves extremely sad because Jesus put his finger on the one thing. I'm going to flip the page. This time, we're not talking about a rich young ruler. This time, it's got nothing to do with... uh, his prestige, nobody liked this guy. His name was Zacchaeus. And if you want to know what it looks like, what the difference looks like, have a listen to the story of Zacchaeus. Uh, Jesus, he entered Jericho and was passing through and there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. If you were a tax collector in the first century, everybody hated you. If you were a chief tax collector, everybody hated you 10 times more than everybody else. Uh, Chief tax collectors, tax collectors openly and uh, unapologetically ripped people off. Rome said, you collect my tax and whatever you put on top, Who cares? Zacchaeus had obviously amassed great wealth and he was rich and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. And so we know the story of Zacchaeus, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead. He climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was about to pass that way. What's the message from Zacchaeus to us? Do whatever you have to do so that Jesus does not pass you by. Ask yourself this question. If Zacchaeus hadn't climbed the tree, would Jesus just have kept on walking? The answer is yes. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down. Have a listen to Zacchaeus now. So he hurried and came down, and he received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. And he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood, and he said to the Lord, have a listen to these words, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anybody, what do you mean, if? If I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. How many people know that if he's already given half away and he's going to pay everybody that he's ripped off four times as much back, how many how much do you think Zacchaeus has got left? 
And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Because the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The message of Christmas is when the King came to seek and to save what was lost. Everybody who is out of alignment and distorted And that's everybody to begin with. We're all lost. We're all out of alignment. We all need the king to bring us back into alignment. And Malachi finishes his oracle with return to the Lord. And this morning as we finish the book of Malachi, I echo the same words, to return to the Lord. It is easy to float through Christmas, sing a few happy carols and we're going to do all of those things. We can, we can get lost in decorations at Christmas time. We can, people, people are going crazy. You know you're crazy when you're putting decorations up in November. <laughs> Half the church just said we need to talk. <laughs> but you know what? We can get lost... The enemy would be happy if we got lost in carols, mangers, decorations, presents, and we forgot to take time to remember when the king came in to save us. And so this season, I urge you and I implore you, wherever you find yourself, return to the king. Make way for him in your life. And remember the king. Let us pray. Jesus, at one point we were all distorted and out of alignment. Our hearts were hungry for the things of this world. We were at one point rebellious and running away from God, but you came to bring us back. You came to seek us. You came to find us. You came to remove our sin. You came to remove our shame. You came to remove our guilt. Jesus, we stop long enough this morning to remember you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I pray for every heart that for whatever reason is distant from you, may they return to the King. May they find that you never change. May every heart see the revelation of the God who loves them, wants them, and your grace is always enough. Thank you, Jesus that you took off your robes, you took off your crown and you stooped into all of our brokenness to lift us up. Thank you, Jesus, this morning. We we honour you and we glorify you in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.